Welcome to the Missio Day podcast. Missio Day is a family of Jesus, joining God as he makes all things new in Chicago. Check us out online at missiodaychicago.com. We're in a series that we're calling Cornerstone that's recalling for us in the middle of our longer study in the Gospel of Luke, recalling for us why all of this matters as we as followers of the way of Jesus try to live out our life together. This language of what it means to be the church and be founded on the cornerstone of Jesus Christ in our life together. And we know that this cornerstone language was a fulfillment of promises that were made through the prophets in the Old Testament. We see this language where God says, look, I'm going to be doing this thing. I will build it. I will lay the cornerstone. And the Old Testament promised to this. And we see New Testament writers then taking that language and saying, yup, we saw that fulfilled in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, that cornerstone. Although some will stumble, this is something is being built here. In this series, we are using our language as Missio Dei. Missio Dei is one of five congregations gathering around the city of Chicago. Um, but we, we are using our language. But as I've mentioned each week, and if you've been here, sorry for the repetition, but we never know who's here week to week. That, that's just as a springboard. It's, this isn't about what language we use in particular. This is about identifying the church built on Jesus Christ regardless of denomination or your context or your style of worship or anything. It's just our language as a springboard. What does it mean to be this body of Christ, the bride of Christ, the church of Christ? All of that language means that Jesus is at the cornerstone of everything. What does it mean to say, like, we're, we're a part of God's active plan in our world, and, and we want to live into that as a local church community with expectancy and with excitement, and when we get back to Luke, our hope is that we kind of be reignited on like, yes, studying this moment in the life of Jesus really matters because we believe what we believe about the church and our life together that we've been studying. So in this portion now, we are on um, the second of three values, which are up here on our wall. Um, you'll see here a little bit more personalized language uh, this week in part because, or these weeks, because what we're talking about now is how this identity as church gets lived out within our personality here locally, what we're sort of calling each other to, what we want to be about, how we want to express ourselves where we've been placed. And it sometimes gets specific to the season we're in now, right? And so we're going to talk a little bit about it right now and where we are. But before we do all of that, I'm just going to pause for a minute and pray. I felt really scattered this morning, just given um, my plans and the news weren't in line with each other today. And like that can be really hard for my heart to feel focused. So if you guys don't mind, I'm going to just take a moment and pray. Um, Jesus, we, we love you. Uh, thank you for the ability to gather in your name in this place. Holy Spirit, I honor that you are with us. And as we talk a lot about you today, Holy Spirit, um, I just pray that you would be honored. You would um, ignite our hearts. You would help us to hold, as Sam mentioned, both like worship and honor and glory to your name with like lament and sorrow and grief and anger and all that stuff. Um, hold it together uh, in you and before you and just, um, yeah, pray for this whole in-breaking language into the broken places to be incredibly real in our world and in our nation today. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So today we're going to talk about this value of freedom. 
Our language around this, we will look at briefly, but then just get to, to content. Um, so our, what we mean when we say freedom, we mean this. We are liberated through the person and work of Jesus to unceasingly experience the Spirit's transformative power and presence. And as a distinct people marked by this freedom, we delight to behold and encounter the face of God as the kingdom breaks in among us. So the second part of this statement might sound familiar with where we've been so far, this idea of being a distinct people marked by this freedom, who we are as a church, and how we delight to behold and encounter the face of God with kingdom inbreaking, right? Our role as a church. We've been talking about two of these things, who we are, a holy temple, and what we do, uh, royal priesthood, how we live that out. That's the language we've already been on. So I'm going to set up aside the second part and today focus on the first part. Because of Jesus as our cornerstone, because of the person of Jesus, through him, we have access to this transformative power and presence of the Holy Spirit of God. Now, I admit to you, as I think about talking about this, this is far too much for a series, let alone a sermon, right? So I admittedly needed to do a little bit of picking and choosing on what we could talk about to sort of briefly dive into a huge mystery of our faith. And so I acknowledge to you that this is brief and I had to do a little bit of picking on what we could talk about. So I'm going to tell you where we're going because it can feel a little like um, lots of info, right? So first, we're going to just spend a minute talking about God as Trinity, a triune God. We're going to talk about that. Second, we're going to go from there to honor the personhood, the person of the Holy Spirit, throughout scripture, key moments that let us meet this, this person of the Holy Spirit. And then finally, we're going to get specific then on what, how we might be engaging with this power and presence of the Holy Spirit of God in our midst, sort of the rubber meets the road, our call for today. Okay, so those three parts, we're going to go through each of them quickly. The first one, of course, being one of the biggest mysteries of our faith, that our one God is three persons. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the first thing I need to say is like, I, I can't do any justice to that fact right here very well, but um, I can't get deep into the how. However, I highly, 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 highly recommend you take a four-minute peek at the Bible Project. I put the way to get to it. Go to thebibleproject.com. You guys, if you haven't met this, it's such a good resource. I love it. Like my seminary professor, it's animated. It's short. It's so digestible, and my seminary professors like assign the videos. I love this resource. But go and watch the theme of God, because understanding this mystery of one God that we worship, being Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is kind of hard to grasp, and I can't do it now. I can't do the how. What I want to talk about today is the why. Why does this matter in our life as the church? And I'll tell you, because without this understanding and this language of honoring the three persons that are one God, without doing that, we're not worshiping the fullness of God. And I've experienced this. I once went to a weekend conference with my mom. It was a weekend of teaching, of worshiping in song, and the name of the Holy Spirit through all the lyrics all the Christian teachers, the name of the Holy Spirit was only spoken once in a whole weekend where this lovely um, gentleman came up and he just had that wise sage look and he's like, if any of you need prayer, we'll be in that little room over there and we'll hold you before the Holy Spirit. And he got off stage, like that was it. That was the only time. None of the lyrics talked about the Holy Spirit, none of the, or the God is triune even. We had a lot of conversation on God, the Father and God, the Son. And I was like, this is not a full worship experience. 
except for that man who's in that little room over there who I should have gone and met, but I didn't. Um, it matters because the absence of a triune God is not the fullness of our one God. And that's why it matters to us that we acknowledge this in our prayers, in our singing, in our conversations. The other reason I would say this, I've talked to people who their, um, their creeds, the things they spoke, spoke of God as triune, like we just did, spoke of the Holy Spirit, but they grew up with kind of the implied understanding that it, the Trinity was really God, the Father, God, the Son, and Holy Scriptures. And it took away the personhood of the Spirit that ignites our hearts in the Scriptures. Scriptures are holy, but that's not an equivalent to God. And their lived experience was that they... The spirit was not around, but here's your holy scriptures. And so I'm just saying, like, understanding a triune God and the active participation of three persons in the life of the church is a really big deal to understand who we are. Now, some language or some things that you might see in how this uh, lives out, I can give you two extremes that maybe you've experienced or heard about. One extreme is something called uh, cessationalists. This is a view that says, yes, the Holy Spirit is a person of the triune God, but that was for a certain time, book of Acts, and then the way that this Holy Spirit participates with the people of God is altogether different. It ceased, cessationalists, that's what that means. That was for then, not for now. And that's one extreme view that you may have experienced where you're like, that's why I just, we don't really talk about the Holy Spirit. Like, you know, we don't talk about Bruno. You guys know that song? Like, we don't talk about the Holy Spirit because there's that. So that's one extreme. The other extreme, I would say, is that some people have come from experiences where the Holy Spirit was, uh, the name of the Spirit was misused, even in dangerous ways. I'll give you an extreme example. A friend of mine grew up in a church which later was identified as being a cult where you were, you were shamed if you didn't trust the Spirit enough and you sought medical help for common conditions, like literally people were dying because the, that was told to be untrusting of the Spirit's power. And there were just things going on without biblical backing, and you didn't know you were just supposed to blindly trust what the leadership was saying because of the Holy... It, it was, so we've got two extremes here, right? And we don't want to be that way in either direction. Here's who we are as Monsieur Day, okay? We are continuists, I don't know how to say that word, continuationists, I think there's too many syllables in it, is the opposite of a cessationalist. We believe the presence of the Holy Spirit continues to work in this church. We're charismatic in that we are longing and expecting to participate with the Holy Spirit in how we live our life together. So that's where we land in the whole spectrum when it comes to talking about um, a triune God, right? So Another way I've heard this, um, sort of when you end up in one of these camps, you can get to this place where it's sort of like the Holy Spirit is this mysterious force. And so that's the thing we want to talk about. No, that our triune God means three persons. And yes, it's a mystery. But here's what I mean when I say that. God is a person of the triune God along with Father and Son. Um, Francis Chan in this book, The Forgotten God, talking about the Holy Spirit, says this. We, we cannot be allowed to think of the Holy Spirit as a power to be harnessed in order to accomplish our own purposes. No, the Holy Spirit is a person who has personal relationships, not only with believers, but also with the Father and the Son. We see the Spirit working in conjunction with the Father and the Son throughout Scripture. I bring that up because our triune understanding is really important in how we live out this life together. So the passage that Sanghei read for us this morning, we see these three people, all uh, the three persons of the Trinity all represented in that conversation. The Son is speaking, talking about when the Spirit 
of truth comes, sharing what is known of the Father, and all that the fa- is the Father's is mine. And we, here we see relationship, participation, inseparable yet three persons. And so we see that in the promise that Jesus gave us to send the Holy Spirit. So now let's focus on the person of the Holy Spirit for just a minute. In Scripture, we see the Holy Spirit's presence in the concept of our one God from the very beginning. The word, Hebrew word is ruach, which I can't say very well. It has to like uh, be a little rough at the end and I'm bad at that, so I'm sorry. But ruach means this, um, the same word breath or wind, um, indicating like a, a vitality, God's life force, vitality, energy. That's the, though it's the language is saying. And the Holy Spirit is present in verse 2 of the whole Bible, Genesis 1-2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God, the breath, the ruach, the energy of God was hovering over the waters. We then see throughout Old Testament that there were certain people who were given a, um, they were used as like a vessel of the Holy Spirit for a certain purpose. I love that one of these people, it was in his creativity, his art, creation in the creation of the temple that he was like anointed by the Holy Spirit for this work of beauty and creation. I love that. And so we see certain people anointed for a certain purpose with the Holy Spirit, knowing that that's how they're doing. The thing that they're doing is by participating with the Spirit of God. And then, of course, we know that there were prophets. These were people who functioned as mouthpieces for God, seeing the world and what was happening in the world from the heart of God and communicating that because God's Spirit was upon them and they had a prophetic voice. And what they were speaking was coming to pass because they were a mouthpiece for God through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we see those things happening and then silence. We don't hear the prophet speaking. We don't see anyone anointed with the Holy Spirit specifically until for for like 400 years until the moment comes when Jesus, son, son of God, is to come. And the announcement to Mary includes talk that this Holy Spirit is going to do a work. And of course, in the moment of Jesus' baptism, we see a beautiful triune moment where the voice of the Father speaks pleasure over the Son while the Holy Spirit of God in the form of a dove comes and gives some some kind of special presence with Jesus in the moment of his baptism. And out of that moment, we see that that Spirit continuing to rest on Jesus of Nazareth, Son of God. We see these kingdom inbreaking all over the place. In moments of extreme darkness, right, we see healing, restoration, renewal, justice, all of it, forgiving, all of that coming. And what we see in this, according to the gospel writers, Jesus himself understood that his ability to heal, to make people whole, to restore sight to the blind and give speech to the dumb, to overthrow the destructive forces of evil, lay not in himself, lay not in the strength of his own purpose, person, but in God and in the power of God mediated to him through the spirit. So in his action, God acted. In his speech, God spoke. His authority was the authority of God. And so here we see this person of the Holy Spirit so active in this, in the, the, the work of Jesus, especially in the power of the resurrection moment, right? In that moment, and then after Jesus is resurrected, we see him breathe. You know that energy word again, that ruach? Same moment, he breathed on his disciples and said, my spirit is upon you. 
And then a moment of Pentecost, a wind, there it is again, comes over the place rushing. Tongues of fire is the, is the words, but it's the Holy Spirit given to all who call Jesus Lord. And we see Romans 8, 11, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. It's a foundational truth in our faith. And it's a huge mystery, you guys. This is like a whole bunch of information and mystery to take on in one moment. And so I would say this, there's a whole lot that's okay to question and have a little furrowed brow about, to, to wonder, to doubt, to ask. All of that's totally fine. We would love to talk to you about this. We would love to help with resources. It's way too much to try to cover in a little moment within one sermon. But I want to say this. Yes, let's wrestle. Let's talk. I have lots of ideas and books and things, but... We can't figure all this out intellectually before we accept God's offer to engage relationally because that's where the delight in the relational part make mysterious truths become more known in our lived experience. So that's what I want to get to today. I have a feeling that this is an area, this freedom, engagement with the power and presence of the Holy Spirit that we just are scratching the surface of. I believe we have so much room to grow in this. And listen, you guys, that's not a dig. That's like a serious invitation for me too, for all of us. I really do mean this is really exciting. As I was thinking about this this week, this strange, I didn't know it was a memory, but like it is a memory, popped up. When I was little, we lived with our backyard backed up to a beautiful big meadow, right? But the ravine, it was too steep. We weren't allowed to access the meadow from our yard. It was too dangerous. It was against the rules. But the meadow had like wildflowers and all these trees and a, and a stream running through it. It was so beautiful. And I had this image when I was thinking about like, man, what is this invitation? I thought of like us, me and my sister, standing on the edge of the ravine looking out over the meadow. But you know little kids. What do little kids want to do when they get a meadow, a wide open space like that? What they want to do is they want to like gallop like, like, like horses, right? They want, to, they want to do cartwheels. They want to blow dandelions. They want to climb trees. They want to run like mad. They want to frolic and all of that in wide open spaces. And I feel like that's kind of where we stand right now. Maybe a little like post-pandemic timid as the church broadly. But I feel like we're kind of standing in my backyard looking out over a place where our longing is for so much more. And so today I would just say, like, let's actually consider what freedom to participate with the Holy Spirit might look like. So I'm going to name a couple of points, again, uh, for timing purposes, but these aren't meant to be limited. I mean, to be limiting in this conversation would be so counterintuitive to the concept of freedom in the Holy Spirit. So please hear this. What I wanted to do is make that invitation to frolic and ga uh, gallop and blow dandelions, like to make it in some way that we can say like, well, I can start here because where else can I start? But this is not meant to be limiting at all. But I want to just say, in looking at our life together, what are some things as starting points? And I, I have two to share with you today. Number one here, an important way that we engage with the power and presence of the Holy Spirit in our midst is leaning on the truth that the Spirit gives gifts to God's church, to Christ's church. Spiritual gifts for the good, the edification, churchy word, sorry, the building up of this church. And those gifts come through the people who are here in any given season. So here's what I would say. 
If Jesus is the cornerstone of our church, if we actually say that we are led by Jesus, he's the head, we're his bride, we're his body, all of that kind of language, right? If we're actually gonna say we're gonna be led by Jesus, that is going to happen when we trust God to give us what we need through the Spirit, actively participating in the people who are here with us now. So the first thing I would say within this category of what this actually looks like, I would say plurality. Some of this happens behind the scenes. You don't see it. There is no one head of this church. We operate in a plurality of elders that uh, serve this church and help to make decisions and discern where we're going. A plurality of, of uh, deacons and other ministry leads. Like there needs to be a lot of people. It's not about anyone unless we're being led by Jesus. And to take that seriously, that requires the plurality of humans using gifts of the spirit to fill each other out because no one person has it all together. Jesus does. But the gifts of the Spirit are what's going to be filling out this community life together. So we take that seriously. How we make decisions, leaning on each other while we're discerning, listening to each other while we're discerning what is coming in our next season, perhaps. Um, We see passions and giftings and talents, like natural talents in people, God-given talents, and spiritual gifts that are given by the Spirit. We see those things, and we want to be a people to be like, whoa, cool, look what God is doing through you. And you should come and be a part of what you, we have to see it. We have to be looking for that because that's how God operates through the people for the good of the church. This is a passion area of mine, actually. This is what I'm writing my thesis about, which, by the way, hold me to it, guys. I've got, like, two weeks to finish the thing. So we need that passion to, like, get to the typewriter a little better, or computer, now we are. Um, I need to get this done. But as I was, so I've read so much on this, this operation of the Spirit and all of this stuff, and here's a statement that I read while getting my thesis work done that stopped me in my tracks. Craig S. Kinnear wrote... Were the spirit to be withdrawn suddenly from the earth today, most of the church's work would continue unbated. I felt like a sour turn in my stomach. That it can't be. That can't be how we operate in our life together. If Jesus isn't the cornerstone and we're not being led by Jesus with the power of the spirit, then we're just like hanging out building random structures and stuff. And that's not what we want to be about. That's not what we're about. So what that means is we want to be dependent on the guidance, the equipping, the presence of the Holy Spirit. And that includes meaning that we're dependent on one another and the way that the Spirit is acting through one another in our midst, in the gifts while we serve the city in love. So I'm going to get like a little bit technical, sorry, just for a minute. But there's this chart that I I put together. It might be hard to read. So there's a couple places in the New Testament where you can read about the gifts of the Spirit. And the interesting thing about these different locations, I actually love this. The lists don't match. There's no set list. This does not mean that we need to memorize these specifically. This is a signpost saying, like, look at the creativity. Look at the freedom. Look at the different ways. There's no set list. There's too much freedom for there to be one list. I did indicate with color scheme, a little dorky on this, the ones that happen to show up in multiple places. But the point is this, like the, sometimes the Holy Spirit will operate in a person in a way that like often is a free spot for them to um, operate in. You'll see that like again and again in their life and you come to really lean on them for um, 
uh, uh, healing prayer or a word of encouragement, like it's a lane they operate well and easily in, sometimes we see a moment, and I've experienced this, you know, like sometimes I've been able to engage with the Holy Spirit in moments of healing prayer, and the healing has come, and sometimes it hasn't. And those are what we would call like manifestations, that we have to be open, that it might come and, and go in some, in some times. Like you can't, this is not a power to be harnessed. Remember, we read that earlier. So, but this is just an idea. Like when you start seeing these things happen, we want to pause and say like, Holy Spirit, power and presence. We lean in on that because Jesus is the head of this church. That means that Jesus is leading us right now in that word of encouragement, that, that um, prophetic image you had. Let's discern that together in community. And so I give you this chart just because I think it's really important to know like Plurality is a serious thing, and it's not just like an organizational chart thing. It's a Holy Spirit operating to lead this church in Jesus' name thing. And so that's why we lean in on that. And so I'm going to point out one of these uh, spots is 1 Corinthians 12. I'm going to um, piecemeal a couple of the verses. Forgive me, but starting in verse 4, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Notice that's all that triune language again. One God, three persons all honored in that, in that statement. So that if we're doing this, if we're doing this thing and we're looking at the gifts and we're like, ooh, I want that one. You know, like it's not quite the way that it's supposed to work, right? So the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so there would be no division in the body. You guys, this is like, this is the unity, needing each other language of church. Um, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each of you is a part in it. And so what I want to say in this first part of how we participate with the person and uh, power and presence of the Holy Spirit is maybe it's time to hear that you matter in shaping us. We need to lean in because it's the Holy Spirit at work. Please don't think that you have to be a certain amount of time into a Christian journey following Jesus before you are um, indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Like the Holy Spirit will work through you. Like we need to know, like maybe this is the moment you need to hear. You matter in shaping us. Christ leads us as a church through the Spirit. So let's see the gifts. Let's encourage the gifts, make room for the gifts to flourish, to have the space to do their cartwheels, right? In the meadow. We need to make that space because that is the power and presence of the Holy Spirit in our midst. That's where it's happening right there. So the second way I would say, first is like participation with the gifts, right? The second thing I would say is through prayer. The power and presence of the Holy Spirit is marked really beautifully within how we as a community and as individuals participate in triune conversation, which we are going to call prayer. 
Sam and I went to this pastor thing this week, and one of the speakers there was talking about this, and the way he said it just struck me. Like, if you look at the disciples, they knew they needed to learn how to pray. They were watching Jesus, and they're like, teach us how to do that. And that sometimes they weren't all doing that great at doing it. Remember, they, like, they couldn't cast out the demon of that one boy, and Jesus said, this one, this one needs prayer and fasting. Like, they just, something was off that they weren't able to do what they wanted to. They fell asleep when Jesus said, stay up with me while I pray, and they like fell asleep, I don't remember, two or three times, right? So they are not like rocket scientists at prayer at this point. But then look at what happens to those same followers of Jesus, all of them, after they have the Holy Spirit as, a, as witnessed in the book of Acts, right? They prayed and literally, literally chains were broken. Prison doors were opened. People were healed. People came to see the revelation of Jesus as the Christ. This stuff was happening because now this prayer conversation was a participatory conversation with the Holy Spirit who was with them as they were becoming the priesthood of believers, the holy temple of God, right? We see a whole different mark on their lives of prayer as they are partnering, partnership conversations with God and the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we see that being something that really emphasizes that relational aspect of our triune God and the invitation that like we actually get to be a part of that relational aspect now. So tangibly, what does that mean? It means that we, as the masks are going more and more, and even if the masks are on, like either way, it doesn't matter. We had to stop some of our spaces for a while. And we want to open those back up. Spaces to foster moments of prayer, right? And so some tangible things in a couple weeks here. Uh, Kat and I will be reintroducing us to the upper room. It's in the overflow room, but upstairs, and we're setting up a space that's designed to be a place of prayer. Number one, Sunday mornings before service. Everybody is welcome. You do not need to know how to pray. Like, come be with prayer. Come and enter in, and let's believe that our prayers matter in forming this space as we gather. But beyond that, this upper room, you guys, this is a community space. So we're just going to have open hours where you can just come and work from there. Okay, share a cup of coffee and pray with somebody where you might feel uncomfortable having certain prayer spaces in coffee shops or something. Like, it's our space, but we want to foster it as a space of prayer. I look forward to, like, other prayer initiatives, right? filling that space for 24 hours of prayer or for uh, long periods of prayer where we sign up in time. So, like there's so many ways we can use it. What can we do? We can make the spot. What can the Holy Spirit do? I'm so excited to find out. It's coming and that's one of the spots we invite you to participate in this. We can curate the space and watch what the Spirit will do when, when we're calling out after Jesus and the Holy Spirit is there when we're gathered in the name of Jesus, right? So that's one, the, that nine, nine, the morning, morning prayer, 9 or 9.15. The other one is the prayer response. There was a while, you guys know, we had to stop having people to pray over us because of rules and stuff. Well, we're back, and we have people. When these people are up here to pray, you, I remember once years ago, one of my friends saying, like, oh, I wanted to go up to pray, but I felt like I needed something big, like to cry. And I was like, no, 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 we've done some wrong messaging here. You can go up and say, like, I just, I just want to pray with you, or I have a prayer request, or 
I could just use a prayer of blessing. Or could we just sit here prayerfully in silence? I, I want to practice silence and stillness with others. Like anything, anything goes. You do not need to cry. You can cry. That's also okay too. But like anything goes in that spot, you guys. That spot is for you. And listen, we can all pray at any time in prayer response, right? Of course, with the person next to us. Tap the person next to you. Sometimes it's just nice to go to somebody who's got their heart and their whole selves postured to be hearing from the Holy Spirit and responding in God's love to you and over you. So prayer response, that's another one. And then this, like we just, we just want to be continuously formed as individuals, as people who are calling each other to more prayer. Like, hey, will you pray for me? Hey, will you? I'm holding this in prayer. And then like remind, hey, what happened with that? How did God show up? Like prayer should just be part of our community language as we're together. We long to grow as people of prayer before when we're with each other, when we're seeking decisions. And I think sometimes when I think about what this looks like, you know, if I'm like, here's how we're going to engage in this. Like, we're not a, in case you didn't notice, we're not a fancy high production church. Like, that's just not kind of what you see here. But like, how amazing would it be if someone could come into these doors and say, okay, like, I don't see big, high, fancy, like, structures and spaces of, like, organized groups to do that. I don't know. It's not high production. But they came in and were like, I think those people, like, I think they know God. I think they're connected with the Holy Spirit. Like, I see something in their midst. Like, what's that? Ooh, you know what that is? That's a relationship, which happens through prayer in part. And so I think that that would be so cool if people could just be like, I think, I think those, guys, those guys know God. So in the prayer um, category, I think, I know sometimes you can kind of get, it can get discouraging. You can feel stuck. And so I just want to remind you of this one thing, which is that um, there, There's freedom in the fact that the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, also intercedes for us when we have no words. Remember, the Holy Spirit is constantly in relationship and in triune conversation with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so I'll give you one example. This morning, Sam walked into my office as I was preparing, and I was trying to quiet my heart this morning. I had a pretty peaceful evening last night, celebrated some friends at a birthday slash graduation party, came home to hang out with the kids, go to bed early. I wake up and I'm kind of like, you know, just feeling like I need to be ready to talk about the Holy Spirit. Like I'm passionate about this subject. So I'm building in stillness and quiet. I'm not looking at the news. Sam walks in and tells me what the news was from yesterday. And I was just like, the lump in my throat, and I was like, I don't have any words. And I had to stop and set aside my notes and just, like, use this truth. The Holy Spirit, Romans 8, 26, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. And the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's will. Guys, that is participation with the power and presence of the Holy Spirit to be able to say, like, do you, like, use the words? Would you, would you do that part? Because I'm just going to sit here, and I might cry, or I might just be really mad or confused or whatever, but, like, will you do the words? And you can sit there in that posture, and you know what, you guys? You're participating with the power and presence of the Holy Spirit in that silent posturing. It's really a beautiful promise. In closing, I want to say this as we consider how to respond to the value of freedom today. It Again, in my reading for the thesis, I love this. I think it was um, who said this. Hauerwas and Willimon and the Holy Spirit say this. The Spirit must have a body 
on which the spirit can rest. That body turns out to be called church. That's us, you guys. This participation language, it matters, and it's truth. It matters. But again, in the world of not knowing how it's going to manifest in different, in different gifts, and different prayers, like we don't know all of that. We can't control so much of that. And I was sitting, as I was praying about this and thinking, where do we land as we respond? I was sitting on our back deck, and, uh, which is AKA our city garden, right? Three window boxes and a planter. That's it. But it's my garden, and I love, I love, I love sitting in our garden. And I was sitting there looking at our dahlias that look so beautiful and all the mystery to how that dahlia blossoms. I have no idea. How is it going to go from that tight little bud to that beautiful blossom? So much I don't get. What's my job? I can curate the space. I can till the soil. We can put in fertilizer. We can make sure we're doing the watering. We can pull up the little weeds and I can put stuff in there to make sure the squirrels don't get at it. I can do that kind of stuff. I can't make the outburst of blossom come, but I can make the space that's fertile for the Holy Spirit to do what the Holy Spirit longs to do in God's body, which is the church. That's what we get to do. And so I invite you to consider, even in a little way, like what is your tilling of the soil? What what is your one piece that might be like, I could be open Even if I still have questions and want to learn more about this really fascinating, confusing mystery, totally fine, let's do that. But let's not let the intellectual side of the mystery of our faith stop us from engaging in the spaces where God is calling us into a freedom of cartwheels and blowing on dandelions. Thanks for tuning in. We love to keep the conversation going. Find a weekly gathering or gospel community in a neighborhood near you. To find out more, check us out online at missiodechicago.com.